Imagine your ex-partner broke up with you out of the blue. You were caught completely unaware and were stunned by the breakup. Now, here you are, years later, you have a new partner who you absolutely adore. But you notice you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells, expecting the other shoe to drop, to obsess over every little thing she does, checking her phone when she's gone, and hyper-analyzing everything she says. And you notice you pick fights over the silliest things. This is not the relationship you want to have. And you know it's because of your past partner, and you love to blame her for hurting you and damaging you so badly. But it isn't hopeless. You can move past this pain and hurt with a little work and a lot of self-loyalty. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. As I mentioned in the last episode, the personal growth industry trend is to tell people that real change and movement comes only from looking forward, setting goals, and just doing it. Yes, we do need to set goals, look forward, and just do it. And sometimes we need to heal our past first. As with any all-or-nothing thinking, we have lost some key components of real and lasting change. Your past matters. Yep, I said it. It's okay to have a past. It is okay to share stories from your past. It is okay to have trauma and pain in your past. And it is okay to have a joyful past. Bottom line, you can't ignore your past. It creeps up on us in the personification of our monger as our parents, in the way we talk to our kids, or in how we interact with our spouse. Our past plays a role in our current lives, period. Let's go back to the example of past relationships. You're letting the shock and hurt from that past event impact your thoughts about this new relationship. Now, rationally, you can see that your new partner is a different person altogether and should not be treated as if they were the same as your ex. This isn't fair to them. They are a totally different person. But once your monger gets talking, well, rationality, it just goes out the window. The first step in the process of not letting your past control your life is owning the fact that this is even happening and chatting with your new partner about the fact that your past emotions are clouding your current relationship. When you notice it happening, lovingly remind yourself that this is a different person, that learning how to trust again is hard, and that she is worth the risk. The glitch is when we get stuck in the past, when we are living and reliving the past over and over in our day-to-day lives, we become victims, martyrs, and just plain unhappy people. I assume this getting stuck in the past is what all the only look forward people are talking about, but I believe the message gets skewed and turns into an absolute. Rather than the message being heal your past so you don't get stuck there, the message becomes ignore your past altogether. In today's episode, I want to share some practical ways you can start moving through the stories from your past that are holding you back. To start off with, share your story. That's right, share it. Bring it out of the closet, dust it off, and share your pain, your struggles, the irrational beliefs that you got when you were eight years old. Share those stories. Find someone who loves you and you can trust to just listen without judgment. In this day and age, we don't seem to have the patience for each other's stories. We get impatient, we give too much advice, or we want to share our story too quickly. So choose wisely. As you go through the act of sharing your story, your perspective will change. You may be able to see the other person's side. You may be able to let go some of that old resentment, or it may just feel really good to say out loud what has been playing unconsciously all these years. A quick note of caution here. 
We often tell stories of our past as if we're reporting a news bulletin. We share the story as we always have. We share the injustice, the unfairness, the righteous indignation. We get so caught up in sharing the drama of the story, we forget to share how the experience made us feel. I mean really feel, not just the obvious anger or sadness, but that we were dismissed or made to feel less than. Befriend yourself during this process. It's one thing to have a supportive person who gets it, but we need to be willing to find the compassion for ourselves. I have a shame-filled story from my past of cheating on a test in the sixth grade. Looking back now, it's a funny story because I was literally sitting next to the teacher's desk and a friend was walking up to put her paper on the teacher's desk and I asked my friend for the answer. What was I thinking? The teacher yelled. My parents were upset. I was a mess. I can fully remember that moment in the aftermath, talking to my parents, feeling consumed by shame, how I felt the shame, the confusion, the fear of not knowing the answer. And today I can say to myself, wow, sweet pea, that was so hard. Feeling all those things as a 12-year-old, you made a mistake and you aren't good at cheating. (laughs) But allowing myself to get fully in my body and having the compassion for that little girl is key. Make sure to befriend yourself through the feelings. Allow everything that comes up and just be there. I always say, treat yourself as you would your niece. Allow yourself to feel the feelings of anger, sorrow, grief, self-doubt, and insecurity. This is often the piece that gets missed. We convince ourselves it isn't important or it isn't a big enough deal. Well, if it is playing there over and over in your head, it's a big deal. For example, I remember a time when I was shaving my legs as a teenager and I didn't check the razor before I went over my leg and the razor was damaged and I scraped up my entire leg blood running everywhere from the numerous scrapes and burns the razor had left. It was so freaking painful. I immediately went downstairs and showed my mom, who said, well, why didn't you check the razor first? That was really stupid. I was mortified. I assumed she would give me more sympathy and understanding, but instead she focused only on my silly mistake. As an adult, I have shared this story with my mom, who not surprisingly has no recollection. Looking back, I'm sure she was tired and stressed and just didn't have the capacity to comfort me when I had done something so avoidable to myself. I share that story because it is a simple, everyday, non-traumatic story, and yet for years, my monger used that story to remind me that I can't be trusted. I cause my own problems with my impatience and not checking things out before I take action. It is a simple story from my past that kept me stuck. It's an easy story to stay in blame around, blaming myself that I'm incompetent, blaming my mom for shaming me, and round and round we go. The only way out is to befriend myself through the feelings. I shared that story out loud. I talked with my mom about it. I gave myself compassion. To not get stuck in the story, you have to allow the discomfort. Cry for the eight-year-old who was told they were stupid and would never succeed. Punch a pillow for the anger you feel for not getting that promotion you deserved. Grieve for your mother who you lost at age 18. Just allow it. Allow the resentment, the bitterness, and the anger. Then what can you learn? This is the piece that we lose sight of. Not saying that we can always learn from past tragedies. Please hear me when I say that. But often when things happen in the past, we are too quick to pull it out as a poor me story. One of the ways to heal it is to ask yourself, how can I do this differently? So you had a parent who put too much pressure on you and made everything about achievement. 
What can you learn? To notice when you are repeating that pattern in your own life. To catch yourself when you overly praise people on their accomplishments. To notice when you get caught up in building your own life based on praise. Now, one quick reminder. One of my guiding principles is everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. In Rising Strong, Brene Brown talks about how she operates from the assumption that everyone is doing the best they can. But I like to add the phrase, with what they have. As a reminder to myself that we are all on different spots in our journeys. Usually people aren't trying to hurt us by doing something different than we would. They're just doing the best they can. Based on their past coping skills, personality traits, life stress, their reaction, action probably makes sense. It might not be our reaction or one that feels good to us, but it is a logical reaction based on who the person is. Like my mom in the razor story. She was doing the best she could with what she had that day. Who knows what she had going on when I walked down with my cut-up legs? We will never know. But living in a state of blame for the fact that she said the wrong thing won't help either one of us. So by repeating this phrase, it allows me to give them a little room to be who they are and to not take the action quite so personally. When I was dating my now husband, he would drive me crazy because when the world overwhelmed him, he shut off his cell phone. So you couldn't reach him no matter how hard you tried. He would do this for a few hours or a few days. As his girlfriend at the time, I would take that action personally. I mean, he should want to talk to me. I'm his girlfriend. But in reality, it had nothing to do with me. It was his coping skill. It was him doing the best he can with what he has. For him, when he gets overwhelmed, he needs to shut out the outside world. And he does that by turning off his cell phone. It's how he takes back control. It isn't what I do. In fact, it's the opposite of what I do. But when I could pause and remember he's doing the best he can with what he has, I could move on without getting hurt or sad. And I knew he would call when he felt like reengaging with the world. A more serious example. I had a client who was struggling with her sister because her sister had done something that hurt the family and they were having a hard time forgiving her. Her family hadn't spoken to the sister in a few years and my client was experiencing a lot of grief, frustration, and anger. When she pulled back and looked at the whole picture in the context of who her sister was, personality traits, family placement, coping skills, etc., it wasn't that big of a stretch to see why she had engaged in the negative, hurtful behavior. At the time, she was doing the best she could with what she had, as was my client. Once my client was able to see this, she began to start the process of healing and moving forward. It didn't change the fact that my client felt hurt by her sister, or take away her sister's responsibility for the behavior, but it did help my client pull back from the emotions to see that her sister's behavior wasn't meant to be intentional, so she could move towards forgiveness rather than holding on to all the hurt. We are all just doing the best we can with what we have. Most of us try very hard to be good people and make good decisions, and we are all human. We all make mistakes. We all at one point or another have poor coping skills, poor response skills, poor conflict skills, poor listening skills. But the secret is to have a little curiosity and ask yourself in the context of who this person is, are they doing the best they can with what they have? These steps are in no way a quick fix. Each of these steps can take days, weeks, months, or years, depending on the power of the story and how far we have buried the story in our own psyche. 
It is immensely powerful to face our stories, look at them dead in the face, and slowly release their power. Bottom line, to live happier, we have to face our past with patience and compassion for ourselves. We have been taught that our deepest needs, feelings, and desires are scary, and we need to protect the world from them. So we hustle to perform, achieve, and earn our worthiness. But it's time to be loyal to you, to take off the mask, to face your high-functioning anxiety, and to become confident in who you are. Helping people with high-functioning anxiety is a personal mission for me. I have a special place in my heart for this struggle because it's both something I dealt with unknowingly for years and because it silently affects so many people who think this is just how it is. But this isn't just how it is. The truth is, being the go-to person, always striving for perfection, and plowing ahead at a feverish pace has helped you keep your high-functioning anxiety at bay. And now those behaviors, well, they're just not working anymore. Your anxiety keeps creeping in more and more, and you see it in your kids, you see it at work, you see it in your relationships. It is permeating everything. Well, let me introduce you to Coach in Your Pocket. Coach in Your Pocket is a revolutionary way of working together with a coach and is perfectly designed for those with high-functioning anxiety. Working with me is not your typical one-on-one session where you come into my office each week, we talk, and you go home. And then the next week we sit and talk and you go home, rinse and repeat ad nauseum. In fact, it doesn't work that way at all. Throughout our work together, you can leave me a voice or text message literally 24-7 through an easy-to-use app called Voxer, and I will respond during my office hours. Imagine not having to wait until your scheduled session to vent, ask questions, get clarification, and celebrate victories. I've been doing this work for 20 years and Coach in Your Pocket is the most effective and most life-changing work I've ever done. My clients are consistently blown away by how these daily check-ins combined with the monthly face-to-face video meetings create slow-lasting change that reprogram their high-functioning anxiety tendencies over time. One of my clients recently said she had more movement in the past week after working with me than years of therapy. Are you ready to get started? Visit live-happier.com and click on work with me to learn more. Do you know someone who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them the link to the show website, live-happier.com backslash podcast, or simply encourage them to listen via their favorite podcast app. For those with high-functioning anxiety, it can be so lonely and asking for help is so hard. So hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend. Please don't underestimate the power in sharing. 